Greetings, comic book nerds, and welcome to episode 17 of the Pull List Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the one and only Hector! How's it going, Hector? I feel like I need wrestling entrance music when you say my name like that. And I know, right? Hector! By the way, for those who need to know, my wrestling entrance music would be Cannonball by Five Iron Frenzy. Well, there you go. So it seems like another episode of the Polis podcast is underway. So strap in, prepare yourself for We've Got Comic Sign. Uh, better put the word out. Can't wait for the nerd out. We need to insert like a little like neon light logo there, or something. right? So on today's episode of the Poll List, we've got quite a show for you. We've got to hit all the latest comic news, and there is a ton of it. Jason Aaron returns with more Thor later this fall. Lock and Key may be returning. There's going to be some stuff at San Diego by the sounds of it. The Justice Society of America is coming back into DC continuity. And Rob Liefeld just blew up Twitter and himself because Deadpool is not Deathstroke or Deathstroke's not dead. We'll talk about that later. But there's a lot going on in comics. Tons of great news. And we're going to talk a little bit about... One of the best and one of the, a very long time running show here on the East Coast, Heroes Con, that Hector's going to be going to this weekend. So we're going to time travel and do a preview slash post view of a show because you're going to listen to this on Monday after the show happens. But that's what's going on today on the Pull List podcast. So Hector, how about we jump right on in and talk about some of the cool stuff that's been going on in comics. And just like I said off the top, If anyone has enjoyed Jason Aaron's writing on Thor, and he's been doing a ton of it, almost two years running now, if not longer, um, you know, gave us Jane Foster run as Thor and that entire battle and everything going on. War of the Realms has been going on, but a new book called King Thor is coming later this year, looks like September. And that's going to be Jason Arid and Asad Ribic. So if you've been enjoying Jason's run on Thor, which he just... It's funny because in other interviews, he's complained that he almost can only write now in Asgardian. You know, that broken like English um, type thing and really fancy font that it almost drives him insane. But I guess he loves it so much that he just wants to do more of it. And of course, I, I kind of dig Ribic in terms of doing Thor type drawing. So I'm down. I mean... Is this something that pops your interest, Hector, or am I just kind of the dude that's like, Thor's awesome? Um, <laughs> It sounds like it's the only thing that Chris enjoys, but go it, ahead. It's, it sounds like more of a Chris thing. I, I Man, I, I don't want to be this guy. You're about I to be this guy. I can't remember the last time I enjoyed a Thor comic. Now, Ooh. I don't. Ooh. it's not that I don't enjoy Thor in comics, that's but fair. just as a staple to me... And I know this is borderline blasphemy, especially for all the Marvel folks. Um, right, row. I feel like Thor is a supporting character. <gasps> um, but I get it. Every comic book character is their own main story. But That's true. This, this is coming from someone who I didn't like the Thor movies. and um, But I like Thor in Avengers. Um, so, you know, I, <laughs> I feel like... Yeah, I'm gonna stop talking. No. Um All right. Yep. All right. So <laughs> it's along. been fun having it's been fun that having Hector on the show. Uh we'll be holding <laughs> interviews for our new co host going forward. What? Um 
No, just kidding. No, it's one of those things I have to agree. Like we've said many times that there's lots of different creators that you either love or hate or feel indifferent about, and that's okay. We love each and every one of you, even if you're wrong. So moving right along. What? Now, um, to be fair, right I haven't actually picked up a solo Thor book. The only thing I picked up was one book when the whole Lady Thor thing kicked in. Sure. And that was out of curiosity. And I wasn't mad at it. Um, I would challenge you to read that entire run um, because whenever people say that, I was like, you know what? You need to read it before you judge it because I started reading Jason Aaron's Thor because of that as well. And I ended up reading the whole run. And when it hit the end, I went, I'm not mad at this. Actually, I'm really okay with this, to be honest. Well, and dude, honestly, it boils down to money for me. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, no? obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you know Chris and I respectively put small fortunes into our comic <laughs> <Yes>. book collections. <laughs> and um, for me, like, there's 89 Batman books every week and things like that. So there's just not, like, there's not really a opportunity for me to invest in a character of like thor until you know i have a means to do it so yeah it's it's less priority and i haven't given enough opportunity so but i'm excited that someone who's qualified and who has had success doing thor is still doing it so thumbs up but, yep. No, yeah. absolutely. That's that's probably that, I mean, that's why I wanted to spotlight it and talk a little bit about it is that and come on, pe- people keep giving us garbage for not loving on Marvel. Well, there you go. We led with Marvel. It's going to be glorious. You're going to we led with Marvel you, and then I crapped right. on it. So. <laughs> <sighs> so, again, open <laughs> interviews will be held. No, um, but I, so I read moving, a Marvel book this week. I promise. <laughs> right. Um, moving moving right along. Uh I think one of the other things that's really exciting is we're starting to get into pre-San Diego Comic-Con announcement territory. And for those that have been looking for a horror comic, because we've talked about it before, there's just not a lot of horror comics available for folks. And probably one of the better longstanding series, Lock and Key from Joe Hill, there is rumored that Joe is going to San Diego and that his... His partners in crime on Lock and Key are going to be there as well, and there appears to be at least something established that is going to give us a shot to give us more Lock and Key. So if you are looking for that horror comic and you've been fans of Lock and Key, it looks like San Diego is going to be where you want to just glue yourself to and keep an eye out. And that's awesome because there's just not a lot of horror comics out there and locking by the way definitely the standard i would say for those who are fans of enunciation chris is saying horror horror Um, horror Horror. Horror? um whoops (laughs) um so yeah my my favorite horror (sighs) comic is uh hack and slash uh just as a side comment i really enjoy the whole there you go vlad cassie hack um I've I've gotten a lot of those, and Tim Seeley, who has you know done a lot of stuff with Nightwing and Batman and stuff in recent years, has been really dope. You know, with Hack and Slash in the past. So if you're a fan of that slasher genre too, they've been good. But Lock and Key is kind of its own legend, man. So yep. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of that content come available as well for you horror fans. See, it, the further south I go, I just start losing enunciation, and I I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, so another exciting thing, actually, I'm really proud of our new selections for this week. Just looking over the list, we're going to talk about almost everybody this week. 
So next up, we've got some DC news and the Justice Society of America, the JSA, is if you've been paying attention to Doomsday Clock, it should come as absolutely no surprise, is definitely returning to DC continuity. And so again, looking in the September fall timeframe, we're going to see the JSA probably in their own line of comics, not a ton of detail, but that's obviously coming out of Doomsday Clock 10 and the end of Doomsday Clock coming that the JSA is getting wedged back into DC continuity. So as we've Hector and I have talked about with um, Heroes in Crisis and Doomsday Clock, the DC continuity world is getting shifted all over the place that parts of New 52 are coming back into existence. Stuff that was pre-New 52 is coming back into existence. It's just bonkers. And I didn't even list it here, but on top of that, a Wally West independent I was gonna is mention coming that back too. as well. So boom. See, DC's just like everything old is new again, but we're it's gonna be mo awesome. And but yeah. Wally's story what? is going to be in the future as a result of Heroes in Crisis. See? So, so that's going to be neat. So for those of you that just didn't want to hold on for Heroes in Crisis, there's a reason. There's a point. It's all tied together. Um, I mean, yeah, we talked DC about it last time, but I really did yeah. love the outcome. So whatever. Yeah, no, I, I'm all about it because DC continuity, I didn't think we were looking at potentially more adjustment to the continuity that Rebirth felt really good where it's at. But clearly there is something afoot. So and now... You know, we'll talk about it a little later. We have Event Leviathan um, that, again, there's all this stuff that is shifting the moving pieces of the DC universe. So for DC fans, um, stuff is good. It's really good, in my opinion. And for folks that are curious, I'd start paying attention to some of the stuff that's going on towards the end of these major events and and pick them up because there might be a good jumping on point for you here really soon as the DC continuity continues to kind of explode. Um, but explode in a good way, as far as I'm concerned so far. So that's really awesome. Then transitioning yet again, shifting over to the world of image. Um, for you Walking Dead fans, and Hector and I read Walking Dead on and off, but neither of us have admittedly been super paying attention. There are 192 issues in I've, at this I've point. I only backed off at like 186. So, so you're I'm doing better fun. than I am. Yeah, I'm still I, catching up. I was still reading it monthly up until like you know about six months ago yeah so i've been just trying to catch up in compendiums and i'm like somewhere technically at the i think i've read through compendium two so i'm like way behind but i still want three or four now yeah three is sitting next to my two that i haven't completed yet so i'm behind but it's good but for all of you um if you are not caught up uh spoiler alert uh spoiler alert um but for those that are interested in paying attention to where the comic world is in comparison to the television world, 192 is finally where Rick departs this plane of existence. Um, I'm Rick Grimes! <laughs> yeah, whoops. Coral! Well, no more coral. Sorry, bud. Because dirt nap for Rick. Um, so 191 was the beginning of the story of the arc. 192 was his death. And 193, which is the next issue coming out, is supposed to be the setup of what... The Walking Dead universe looks like without um, without a Rick. Um, so it's interesting for Walking Dead folks. And if you're interested how all that plays out, 
you're going to want to start at 191 and kind of work your way through that. Um, check your local comic book stores, but good luck because this series has printed like crazy. I think they might go to multiple printings at this point because of how they were received. But those are the major issues for Walking Dead right now. And that's really all of my news. What else did you catch, uh, Hector? Because I know there's a lot going on and there's some going on personally in your world because there was some Swamp Thing news recently. But hit me. What you got? Well, um, too, just on the Walking Dead thing, the thing they did say is that Walking Dead's focus is going to shift to Negan. So I think that will be um, that'll be a fun ride. Uh, so news on my end. Um, so one thing I just want to point out is Rob Leefield, Liefeld, I will say his name wrong, but, um, Rob Liefeld, 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 who is one of the creators of, uh, Deadpool and he's made multiple very large contributions to the comic book world, but he's also kind of bananas sometimes. Um, (laughs) we've done shows. That's absolutely fair. Yeah. We've done shows with him and he's, he's, you know, he's out there. Uh, yeah, he's no, fun, but he's uh, like... is definitely one of the most unique creators I've ever come in contact with. I know when we had him in for one of our shows in North Carolina, I spent a little time with him after lunch. I just kind of ran into him and he's like, ah, right. You work for the show. Come with me. And you have to understand something. Rob functions like at a billion miles an hour all of the time. And he's like, I want to go through the dealer room. It's like, awesome. And I just walked with him and never stopped talking. And it's like, we're going this way. We're going this way. We're going this way. And I was just dumbfounded that that dude's brain just never stops. And you can see that in how he uses social media and everything. And so if you've ever wondered if he really is just a thousand miles an hour all the time, the answer is unequivocally Yes. <laughs> so this week, Rob took to Twitter to say that DC is crashing, that he is, uh, he knows that it's about to drive itself off a cliff and he's excited to sit here with popcorn and watch it. And uh, he gave all of his reasons on why DC is going to fall apart and why it's failing as a company and everything else. And he just proceeded to vomit all over Twitter about the death of DC prematurely and um got a lot of uh got a lot of backlash for it and uh you know rob even said in his initial tweets that uh he used twitter as his burner phone and he wasn't scared of any of us <laughs> and how how did that work out well that worked out great he ended up quitting twitter uh, well so um you know your your burner phone came to get you. You got Jesse Pinkman, um, but uh, I mean, here's the thing: you could you can't. I understand not loving a company, and please understand, I I am more DC than I am Marvel, but I am fully aware of the tragedies that are being a fan of DC and the errors and struggles that it has as a company. I am not blind. I'm just a fan. Um, I see this stuff, but you know, Rob just went out for blood for the entertainment value of it and it blew up on him. And, um, (laughs) the internet is a dangerous place. Kids use it responsibly. Yeah. Yeah, So when you come at me from, you know, pooping in Thor's cornflakes, please, you know, (laughs) go easy. Um, but that's just, I mean, it's, it's weird to see one of the most respected names in comic books, uh, just tear a company down 
And personally for me, I find it a bit ironic that someone who can't draw feet talking about how a company's going oh, to stand. Oh no, you just went there. I was like, am I going to mention feet? And I'm like, no, I won't do that. <sighs> you, if you can't draw feet, you have no ability to say what can stand. So, <laughs> oh no. Well, let's, let's, it's, let's, it's been a it's been a good run here on the Polis podcast, <laughs> but you know the good part is he's not on Twitter anymore, so maybe we'll be fine. Uh, we get, we should go ahead and make a graphic with that quote and just put it out there as the image for this podcast, and you know just let's see where it takes us. It worked it's for Rob, all, um, right? It's all it's all about the feet. Yeah, um, which if you don't get that reference, Rob Liefeld, although he's one of the best creative personalities um, in comic books, the dude can't draw feet. Um, you literally a, could just Google all of those words side by side and you will probably get a cross section of responses to that end. And there, there's a great video out there of Stan Lee standing beside Rob, watching Rob draw, and Stan Lee cracking on Rob's ability to draw feet. Um, yeah, I was actually just thinking about that because I saw that recently. It was Rob and, um, no, no, McFarlane. It was it was Rob and Todd McFarlane creating a new character. And I think if you literally just Google um, Stan Lee rips on Rob and uh, Todd, you will find that glorious video. And Stan, in only the way that Stan can is literally tearing them to shreds, but doing it in like the nicest way possible where it's the warm grandpa. <laughs> you can't get mad at it. Um, so that's the thing. And, but the, so, and here's the point to be fair, Rob isn't wrong. DC is full of issues. And one of the biggest things that has pointed out is that, uh, um, DC universe as a company has had its struggles. Like swamp thing was canceled after the first episode and the primary source of reporting was that it was due to uh, a clerical error in the North Carolina uh, financial sector womp, um, womp. over a $40 million rebate. Well, DC has since gone in to deny that that's the issue and all of these other things. But, you know, it just doesn't make sense logistically that DC would cancel what is, if I'm not mistaken, the best rated show they put out there um it definitely did extremely well i mean i'd have to double check it but one of the early things off the pilot was like a 92 percent rating on rotten tomatoes which is like insane and it's you know dc's dipping their toe into the horror darker side of their catalog with this and it's done really well so a lot of well, people I mean, are like wait wait you're flipping out before we even get to see if it works and you, like you and I were talking and you said, you know, that the autopsy scene in the first episode got you. Um, oh, man. I Like, <laughs> I think my jaw just dropped in the way that that whole thing, like, played out with uh, the little kid. Like, we're going to talk around this so you go see it because I was just like, OK, all right, we're going here. This is happening. This is a thing now. And this is after just watching Doom Patrol, where an entire universe was in a donkey's butt. Right. That in a talking going, street or a, a, a living in a, street in a talking gen, gender queer um street right that i'm like okay dc my brain can't okay the final battle now. takes place between a rat and a cockroach i mean and but yep. yet that was okay but oh, a terrific horror series is canceled now um 
I, but I'm, I'm, I've been impressed by it. But I mean, there's obviously bigger pictures here. There's Warner Brothers wanting to consolidate for one streaming service because we ha- can't do things the way we do things. We have to do them the way Marvel does it because that always works so well for DC. It works great. It's, I mean, because every flipping time we have tried to copy Marvel's formula, we end up looking like freaking idiots and. We fail until we fail so hard that we try something original, and then we actually like, oh, look, we can do things. Now, we actually tried uh, something original. It's working well, but since Marvel's doing it, we're going to stop what we're doing and do what Marvel, because that works so well. And I'm going to stop ranting. <laughs> no. you, you okay? Do, do you need a soda? Maybe, maybe a hug? I, I need, like, Professor Lupin to give me some chocolate and tell me to eat this. It'll feel better. Um, you'll, be, you'll be okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's hard to be a DC fan, fam. It really is. Um, it really is. Um, but- and before, uh, or when this podcast airs, the episode of Swamp Thing that I'm in will have aired. <gasps> um, that's Much excitement. Yeah, and that's the thing. I'm I'm really pumped. I might not even I might be a blur in the background. I don't know what's up. But you know, my episode is supposed to be episode three. Um, so that that should have aired. And, you know, if you follow me on social media, if I'm actually in there, I'm gonna blow that crap up anyway. So Oh yeah, uh, no, you pay attention, fam. As seen on DC Swamp Thing is finally a thing. It finally and I didn't introduce him that way this time, but no, it's finally a thing. As seen on DC's canceled Swamp Thing, um, I'm I'm gonna get that shirt made with like my screenshot <laughs> of my blurry head. Um, so with your with your IMDb on all your business cards and just the blurry head, you should do that. Yes, I'm behind yes. it. All right, so let's actually talk about comic books. <laughs> that sounds great. So yeah, there's as you can tell, guys, there's a ton of stuff going on in comics in general, and we just try to give you the cross-section of the good things and the bad things that are going on. But yeah, there's so much going on. So yeah, we want to talk about the things that we're also reading, because that that's what's actually going on in comics. You know, the news is the stuff that's coming, or just creators being crazy bonkers, or, you know, having tirades on Twitter and throwing their burner phone out, or whatever. Um, you know, stuff like that. So... Yeah, tell us what you've been reading, Hector. What what has been amazing to you since the last time that we talked? And yeah, what 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 amazing things found their way into your poll box this week? Um, I'll say Batman and Outsiders is continuing to be great, and um, uh, they're only on issue two, and but man, it dude, it feels like '90s X Men and done well. Um. I really and, enjoyed the first one. I missed the second one, so I'm just going to sit here and just awe at you. But it, it feels like 90s X-Men done well, and then you've got um, Batman being a leader that's hands-off. So, like, there's a big mission that needs the world, and Batman's just saying, uh, I'm the darkness and vengeance. This is a mission that needs hope. You take your team. Um and I mean, it's, it's just, it played out really well. I'm enjoying it. Um, the action is bonkers. Um, they're introducing us to heroes and villains we're not familiar with, while at the same time using Ra's al Ghul and it not being played out. Um, Ooh, I, I was excited that Raz was actually going to be a part of this story, but I'm glad to hear that they haven't really overplayed that hand because Ra's always seems to be overplayed and... 
Yeah. He's overplayed in like someone doing bad Shakespeare community theater most of the time. Um, <laughs> yep. Uh, but, uh, I'll allow you know, it. you his first entrance into this book is like, say my name. And it's like, Raza Ghoul. And he's like, now follow what I tell you. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. Whatever you say. I'm down. Um, yeah, I'm down. Demon's head. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, it's been good. Um, the clash at the demon head. Um, but that was good. Um, let's see what else. Immortal Hulk. Um, and I saw on Facebook in the pull list chat community area thing that someone binged and enjoyed pull list and was really enjoying that. So, or not pull list, uh, the Mortal Hulk. And, uh, I was kind of sketch they, on good. They obviously love us too. I mean, yeah. rate and review the show. Five stars. Uh, but Immortal Hulk, I wasn't super sure where this arc was going, but, um, Here's the deal. Hulk dies in almost every issue, so please don't under don't over like take this as a spoiler or anything like that. But uh, like it legitimately looks like they killed Hulk in this recent issue to the point where like you're remotely concerned. But legitimately, almost every issue of this book, and we're on like issue eighteen or nineteen or something, almost every issue has Bruce Banner dying. Um, but this one's like, oh, this could be serious. Um. But uh, they've done some cool stuff with Betty Ross that, that I haven't seen before. Um, they've got they've got some interesting stuff with Abomination. I still think the first twelve issues um, were priceless, and I would buy it in a hard a hard cover with no regrets. Um, but Mortal Hulk was good. Um, also picked up Batman Who Laughs number six, and we're finally getting to a conclusion on this uh, psychedelic fever dream that Scott Snyder has taken right. us on. Um, and here's the deal. This is on some Grant Morrison-ish where I can't honestly tell you what's happening. Um, I can tell you a good idea of what's happening. Um, but, you know, just this whole thing of bringing in Bruce Wayne's all over the place for whatever reason, but... Uh, it has set up where there is a final showdown between uh, our Batman and the Batman who laughs. Um, some drama between James Gordon Sr. and Jr. Uh, the Grim Knight. All that stuff is happening. Um, yeah. So if if you've enjoyed Scott Snyder and you've enjoyed the man who laughs, all this stuff, it's twisted. It's bananas. Um, but uh, you should definitely finish it out. You know, if you if you've come this far, uh, you should definitely hit it. Um, also finished um, uh, Umbrella Academy, Hotel Oblivion, issue seven, which is um, the end of the third arc of Umbrella Academy. Which, which if you're keeping score, uh, the show is moving at a much greater pace than the book, and they currently have enough for half of a season two. Even though they're already working on season two. So I don't know right. what's up. Um, because it season one took the first 12 issues of the book. And they just hit issue 17 or 19, something like that. So Sounds they're, right. they, yeah, there's seven issues of Hotel Oblivion. Um, but uh, the I, I won't throw too many spoilers at you. But I mean, here's the deal. If you enjoyed Netflix's Umbrella Academy, you need to be aware going into the comics is like drinking co- like a ton of cough syrup and having a nightmare about what you watched on Netflix. Um, <laughs> now I, I know that sounds like I'm being negative, but it's not, it's just the perception because it is a wild visual storytelling experience with very little dialogue, um, to substantiate what you're seeing. Um, 
but one of the cool things is if you you know for whatever incarnation of the story uh we're told that there were you know 49 kids or whatever as the story started um and we had focused on you know a small handful well we we're teased at the end of this arc of seeing what it looks like if we actually find some more of those kids um but i have no idea what the time frame on the story actually playing out is but i could say this uh just since you know last year i've read all of umbrella academy and it's been a wild ride and i've gotten some good stuff from it um so if that's your cup of tea you should do it um also uh just hitting it quick uh aaron dowen uh who's working with Catalyst Comics, uh, an independent front of uh, some folks that we know here, uh, is That's dropping. Yep. Um, we've worked with him on, I've worked with him on several things and done shows with him, but uh, he's dropping an independent book called, um, well, I guess it's not independent if Catalyst is a company, but either way. Right. Uh, um, Catalyst Comics is doing a book called Tilt, which he let us do a preview for, and uh, um, basically starts out as a, the, the concept of as a homeless superhero with some very Deadpool narration techniques. Um, read the first issue. Really interested to see where this goes and check that out. Also, another independent that I read this week is um, Legacy AD, which is a book done by a dude named Will Smith. Not that one. But, not um, that one. Got it. Not that one. Um, but it's about a detective in Atlanta who... Uh, is anointed by God to be a part of spiritual warfare in this world to where he sees the physical spiritual warfare happening around us. So as he investigates a murder, uh, he goes into prayer and then actually deals with the demonic presence that was involved in the murder. Um, and, and the first issue came out this week and read it, picked it up on Amazon. It's only digital um, currently. But um, I met the dude at a Comic-Con in uh, Savannah, and dude just loved his heart, so I was definitely going to pick up his book. Um, so I enjoyed that. And then, you know, just, I don't know if it's a guilty pleasure or if it's just a pleasure. But, uh, guilty pleasure. It's a guilty pleasure. Okay. <laughs> Glow, number two. Um, man, I love Netflix's Glow. Um it's just a fun story, and the uh, the main character Ruth, uh, who also is Zoya the Destroyer, um, the Destroyer. Uh, man, I grew up watching r- the Real Glow as a kid, and um, you know the <laughs> oh wow, I did, dude. I loved it. Like I, I I was one of those kids where you know we had legit three channels on the TV that ha- where you turn the knob, and. We didn't have cable, and I just remember watching. I'd watch like Hulk Hogan's Backyard Buddies or whatever it was. Right. Um, yeah. And Brother. then, yeah, and then I'd watch Glow, and so like I watched the Netflix series, and when they announced they were doing a comic, I picked it up. And Teeny Howard, who's fantastic, um, yeah, is writing it. She's writing it, and I'm I'm just having a ball with a. I, we were trying to say this name earlier, but Montepichu. Um, yeah, Montepichu. Yeah, Montepichu. Um, uh, you know, just some of the stuff that's in the comic. It's it's been really fun, and you know, I everything. If I buy something digitally or physically, you know, my kids sees it. Like my oldest daughter who reads my comics sees it lying around. So you know, it's one of those books I get to look for. Like she'll shoot me like a sideways glance, like "Why, Dad?" And I'm like, "Well, it's great because <laughs> it's uh, wonderful. Because it's wonderful." So that's that. That's what I really hit on this week. What'd you read this week? 
Uh, let's see. I've got a couple things in mind, and I'm kind of all over the place, which is great. But I did pick up a Marvel book, so calm yourselves. It, it happened again. But Silver Surfer Black number one came out. So Donny Cates writing, I think it's a five-parter. It's a five or a six. It's a mini. Um, about Silver Surfer is a acid trip that I don't even know how to describe other than way too much acid was involved. Um, not that I'd know, but I have to imagine. Read this book. It's trippy. Um the visuals are very kind of out there, but it's following a Silver Surfer story, kind of Silver Surfer coming to terms with being the herald of Galactus, which means he usually precedes Galactus before Galactus, the devourer of worlds, shows up and destroys um, planets. And it's kind of this introspective look of, you know, I'm known by a lot of names in the universe is kind of how he opens the book. And, you know, he does this huge thing of, being the herald of the great Galactus and he finally hits this, but some of you know me as death. And it's like, Oh snap. Um, because for a lot of worlds, that's, he's the last thing they see before Galactus shows up is like, word, I'm going to devour your planet. Um, so it's, I'm the story's still kind of be being set up, but that's kind of the entry point there. So if you dig that part of, the Marvel Universe, and you need to get your Silver Surfer uh, fix. Donnie is good. He's great. And he's telling a very different story, which is what Donnie's done with a lot of his Marvel books. So all about it. Uh, still finishing out Unnatural. Uh, Unnatural number 10 came out this week. So wait, wait, wait. Just for clarification, okay, this yeah. is the Donnie Cates? The Donnie Cates. Oh, because he's so hot right now. Go on. So hot right now. But yes, um, jumping back over to the World O image, um, unnatural. We've talked is, about Hector. Is unnatural image? About. Yeah, really. I don't think yep. I ever put that together. Okay. Yeah. No. I mean, it's usually where a lot of stuff independently ends up. But yeah, um, that story continue is. It's a twelve parter, so we're in issue ten. So there's only two more left. But that kind of wild story that we told you started out in this really interesting place of social commentary and everything it's still present but we're in this really kind of wild fantasy um connection spirit animals type craziness going on i don't even know how to describe that part but that no. that story is finally coming to its conclusion and hector and i've kind of said that i'm still enjoying it but we kind of have hit the okay we we can probably wrap this up <laughs> um well, it just doesn't feel like it's going in a specific direction i, I have the feeling right. that when it ends it's not going to be a conclusion it's just going to be an end um that's probably fair i could be totally wrong but then again i'm also reading the batman who laughs where you've got 95 bruce waynes punching each other um not not <laughs> right. really but um yeah. yeah so maybe i'm not the one to say that they don't they can't wrap this up in two issues but it feels like there's a lot to wrap up in two issues there are a lot of threads that have been laid out before folks that need to kind of find their way towards a solution. So you're, you're not wrong, but it's still fun. I want to see how it ends. That's the most important thing there is. And again, as we've said, this book is obviously not for the kiddos. It's a, it's a mature book, but it's still great art and telling an interest. There's a lot of great characters. And I think that's why I'm invested now is, like any good storytelling, you have to care about your primary characters, and I think that succeeded. I care. I want to know how it ends. Well, and that's um, 
I think for me, like, I feel a very Game of Thrones vibe to this in that they introduced a lot of mature content in the first incarnations of this story. Yep. Just because they didn't know if it could carry the weight of telling a good story without overloading it with mature content. Um, that could be I feel, I feel like that was Game of Thrones, uh, not downfall, but like why it kind of got ostracized so much socially is that because, you know, as many people have described it, for lack of better terms, it was like porn in the early seasons. And I right. believe that was HBO not believing in their content. Because they felt like they couldn't tell a good story about character development without throwing that in there. And, you know, the last few issues have been of this book have been a lot less on that stuff. And they're actually focusing on character development and yep. the story. And I really feel like we could have gotten a lot further, a lot faster, if we would have kind of like bypassed that as much. Maybe. Maybe I'm That's looking at it too hard, but... Maybe. Nah. I mean, I think that's a fair um, talk on the discussion of the content here, but it's definitely staying in my poll. I'm in it. I'm in it till the end. Um, then my last two polls of note for the week are from the DC side of the house that I started reading uh, the event Leviathan series because they did the Superman one shot um, a while back. And so this is the big event, if you will, for DC summer other than doomsday clock and heroes in crisis that ended so by the way i find it really confusing with the whole way they did it with the superman thing yes. and then starting event i'm like can we please just do one two three four maybe not you know because i was like wait how do i number this where does this go but whatever it it was a little confusing and i'd agree and of course they did the same thing leading into uh batman 50 and the not a wedding that they had those four one shots that technically went back in time prior to events that had already occurred in issues 48, 49. And it's like, yo guys, I, I don't mind you telling me a story, but um, can, put it in a straight line so we can understand, please. Or at least give me a reading order, something, anything. Um, it's interesting. They're, they're selling it as a mystery thriller for the summer. And it's pulling all of the great detectives of the DC universe in to figure out who this big bad is and what's going on. And so there's a lot tied to the Superman story in Lois Lane, which is why we're going to see a Lois Lane book come very soon as well. So per typical event standards, there's going to be a lot of random books involved. So Yay! The thing that we all love about comics is coming true. It's summer, break out your wallets, and get ready for confusing reading orders. But we're here. Um, Batman and uh, Green Arrow, Oliver Queen, are standing side by side as they begin to unfold this mystery. And I think that's all I really want to give you about this book, is that it's a mystery, that it is a big bad in the DC universe. And part of this whole thing is figuring out just who Leviathan is and what's actually going on. So, yeah. I with... dramatically struggle with taking Leviathan seriously. <laughs> right. Because the dude looks like a destiny hunter. Yep. Nope, that's good. Uh, that's real good. Close your eyes. If, there you go. If you've, if you've played Destiny or Destiny 2 or have been remotely in the gaming community... Um, Leviathan looks like Cade Six's angry cousin. Um, <laughs> oh, that's good. I mean, doesn't he? 
He looks like Kate yeah. Six. And I'm like, I'm reading this, and when I'm reading it, I'm hearing Nathan Fillion being snarky. Um, so I'm I'm just not down. I'm I'm not convinced. But I That's think really also most of the interaction between Lois and Batman and that whole arc where we see in this first issue felt like a especially with the lighting felt like a bad Max Payne cutscene. Um, if you played the Max Payne video game series, you know, the whole black and white gritty vibe, stuff like that. Yep. I felt like I was in a Max Payne cutscene. And, <laughs> you know, it's just it's some of the dialogue, dude. I'm not trying to really poo on Bendis. Look, Marvel fans. Um, Here it comes. <laughs> I'm not really trying to poo on Bendis, but the dialogue felt amateurish. Um, it was a like, little hard of a read. I'm, it was, I, I, mean, I felt it, the same. It felt like this is not a writer. Like, that this is a middle schooler, like, trying to tell his friends a story on the playground, and it got too convoluted. Um, but but let, let's give some redemption here. Go ahead. The go one ahead. thing I am absolutely loving about this, though, is it's Bendis and Alex Maleve. And Maleve's art does save this book from itself, in my mind, because it is super gorgeous. I love Alex. His, his stylization, especially in dark, grittier things, is really good. And... Uh, yeah, Alex is one of the more fascinating people that I've met at a convention and had a really great conversation with. Um, I, I, I'll fanboy a little. I have some of his art on my wall because I, I had to have it because he just has a very unique style for that dark. Um, he's he's perfect for DC World stuff, and so I'm just excited to see his art for four more issues. You know, just just this whole idea though of assembling the greatest detectives to solve yep. this. It just seems kind of a trope. But then again, we just did it in uh, Detective 1000. Yep, it's true. And it, it only took three pages. So, <laughs> hurry up. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we shall see. And so, finally, uh, just wrapping up here, uh, Flash 72, which is Flash Year One Part Two. Um the Flash Year One stuff has been really good. So if you're a Flash fan like I am, it's worth picking up. Um, it is a typical Year One story where it's retelling from a slightly different angle. Um, you know, Barry Allen becoming the Flash. And per Flash and Barry Allen typical style, it's Barry wrapping his head around his powers and what they actually are capable of doing, what he's actually capable of doing. His relationship with Iris is just starting again. So if you just love classic Barry Allen as the Flash, there's cool stuff going on here with some really neat art. I didn't love it at first, to be honest, but I've fallen in love with it now that I've seen it for two issues. Um, pick this up if you dig the Flash or you just want a good jumping in point to see where things are currently in Flash's universe. Because... They're retelling, but they're also doing some really neat stuff, and I'm not going to spoil it because the final page of 72 made my jaw drop and go, oh, oh, okay. Well, that's going to be interesting to see how Barry um, figures out that part of his powers. Um, and it's typical Barry that he's trying to protect people that he loves, and he doesn't think before he acts. So it's just classic Flash stuff. So... Per the usual, we had tons of stuff that we were reading and lots of great stuff for folks to read. And as always, if you look for us on Love Thy Nerd Community on Facebook, you can join us and share with us in the discussion of what we're reading each and every week. And if you guys have something that we're not reading that we should be reading, every Wednesday we post and you guys can tell us what should we be reading 
and I'd be saying your name right now. And we're thankful to our community members and everyone that participates in our weekly discussions because this is what it's about. It's sharing in comics and community, and that's what Hector and I love about this stuff. So kind of using our last couple minutes here, we want to talk about, like we said at the top of the show, uh, Hector's going to be going to Heroes Con in Charlotte uh, this weekend. You'll be listening to this after Heroes has taken place, but Heroes has been a long-standing show on the East Coast um, from a local comic store owner there in Charlotte, Shelton Drum, and he's been doing this, and it's a comic guy, comic book person, comic show. Uh, that other than Baltimore and what we're trying, what we've been trying to do in North Carolina Comic Con in Durham and New York Comic Con, which really is more media, this show is like old school comics and new school comics of purely creators, which is makes it just a really neat weekend of comics. I've been I've been to that show as a retailer, been to that show sitting at Hector's table as an author. Thank you, Hector, for entertaining me last year. Um, so, Hector. Give me a little bit about why Heroes is so important to you and what you think it does, because I, I think it's a show worth spotlighting, which is why we're going to spend a couple minutes talking about it. Their tagline is America's favorite comic convention um, or America's favorite comic show, whatever else. Here's the deal. And I was explaining this to someone else earlier this week. Heroes is one of the only purely comic book driven conventions. Yep. You are not going to see celebrities. You are not going to see a focus on pop culture. You are not going to see a focus on anything. You know what you are going to see? More comic book artists and creators than any other show I've ever experienced. Top um, to bottom. No top doubt. to bottom. I'm talking indie shows to San Diego. Like, cor- correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. I'll, I'll find out myself. But, like, there's going to be more straight up comic book creators at this show than San Diego. Um, I believe that because that's what a lot of folks have been saying is San Diego. It, San Diego is a media show now. Yeah. And San Diego been, is super calm. It's right. There's been a lot of people that have been pulling out of San Diego because of the cost to be at San Diego and that the comic book crowd just isn't there anymore. It's a me, it's a media pop culture show. Yeah. And which is what, it, but San Diego, but super ah, blast, blast all the words. Um, womp womp. Womp womp. Heroes Con is that for comic book creators where you can literally, if you've picked up comic books for two months this year, at any two months, pick two random months in the past year, I guarantee there is something in your pile from two months of pulls that you can get signed at this show. Um, you can't go far without hitting somebody that, as that, like, uh, for instance, uh, You've heard me mention, and we did a whole podcast episode on it. I've done a Faith and Fandom chapter on it. Uh, Batman 53 is one of my favorite issues of all comic books of all time. Um, Lee Weeks is the dude who did the art on that. Um, He's an old school comic book artist, and they brought him in for Cold Days, which was the Tom King run on that. Lee Weeks is literally like a couple tables over from me. Um, Nice. So, like, I've got three copies of Batman 53 to get signed by Lee Weeks. Um, and, you know, things like that. But, you know, you've got huge people like Tim Sale, like classic folks like that. Um, people like Scott Snyder, I met at Heroes. Um, you know, I met Mark Bagley. I've met, you know, I met Stan Lee at Heroes. I mean, it was just one of those deals. They don't do pop culture 
where you're going to go take photos with celebrities, they bring in comic book creators. And the only time you're going to see a pop culture figure there is if they are creating comic books. Like Rosario Dawson was there, but because of a comic book. Mick Foley, my favorite wrestler, you know, have a nice day, like Mick Foley. <laughs> I, I met him at Heroes Con. And to be honest, my first comic book convention I went to because Mick Foley was there. Um, because Mick Foley was creating a comic book. Now, I fell in love with that, and that's why I'm here having these conversations now. Um, but Heroes Con is... It takes up the Charlotte Convention Center, which is one of the larger convention centers in our state. And uh, I want to say... Yeah, man, I'm hold on. I can do this fair fairly, but just to pull up the map. Um, it's huge. There are like five hundred tables just in Artist Alley. Um, but what what's you've been a dealer there. What's the like count? Like how many vendors and stuff do you think are at this thing? I can't even it it's hard to gauge because of the amount of space, because you're right. And some of us, you know, occupy one spot, three spots, that type of thing. Um, but I just remember the thing about this is like Baltimore, a lot of convention centers you would think are well designed for loading in and loading out for events. Well, um, when you have half a bajillion people, they're not. So let's see, today's Thursday, um, early this morning or late last night, uh, you would have lined up in downtown Charlotte, which is not a great place to try to line up a bunch of rider trucks and all that kind of stuff. The downtown is really congested. And this line will go for blocks. Literally, I think when I loaded in the first year, it was like a three-hour wait, and we got there early. And it's similar, a mad dash and trying to get out. So like convention load-in is an experience in and of itself, one that I am super glad I don't have to do anymore. Um, The convention scene itself is great because it's super fun to see that many different vendors because vendors, you know, we'll go through each other's stuff. Like the, while we're setting up, um, it's a fascinating phenomenon that occurs at conventions that, you know, we all look over each other's stuff to see what we can buy and flip the same day. Um, it's just, just crazy. Just looking um, at the map, the booths go, the booth numbers, uh, I see up to 2,304. That booths. sounds about right. Um, because like artist alley tables are usually like in your six foot rather than eight foot range. So you can put a ton of artists side by side. Yeah. And I mean, just looking over their list, it looks like, you know, straight up regular guest list looks like at least a hundred, if not more. And that's just the guest side of things that does not include, you know, artists and other vendors that have bought their stuff. But I know every time that I've gone to Heroes, I have wanted to walk that floor for all three days because that's how long it takes you to actually get through and see stuff on every single day. Well, that's um, I've had friends that have come to this show that walked for three days and couldn't find me. Um, <laughs> like, I'll, I'll get desperate texts from the parking lot. I'm sorry, I just couldn't find you. There are so many people. Um, and, you know, it's some of the cooler things, too, dude. They like uh, There's live painting on stage almost the entire weekend. So if you're an artist or you're a comic book creator or anything, if you just want to grow up, grab an easel and some paint, you can paint the whole weekend and just sit down and do that. Um, for me, the show... Yeah, I just want to say, say real quick, the thing about that that's really cool is they also will take some of the top name talent that comes through to do that so you can watch them do their thing. And then a lot of those pieces will actually end up in an art auction that's usually held Friday, Saturday night during the convention. Um, so there's opportunities to get original art through an auction style, not just from artists that are on the floor. 
that yeah it's it really covers the gambit in terms of all things comics that you can find books you're looking for as a collector you can find the artists either original art they have sign your books and that type of stuff so for us like really deep cut nerds that really love these creators this is the show that a lot of folks go to to be able to literally meet and have conversations with you know our our heroes the guys that literally you know created an industry for us and then the guys that are up and coming and really slamming on it so yeah it if i constantly tell people if you've experienced a local comic-con or a media show where there was tons of people where you could buy photos and stuff try to get to a heroes or to a baltimore uh north carolina comic-con to see a truly comic show because it's a different experience i think too like for me like this show holds a lot of weight for me because it was, first of all, is the first comic book convention I ever went to. Um, it's also the show that I started Faith and Fandom with. Um, and people look at me like I'm crazy when I told them the first time I vended at a show was at Heroes Con. Um, because it is an overwhelming experience. But, you know, in so doing, like, it's kind of made every other show less stressful. Um, just because when you start out with one of the bigger shows out there, it made my life experience better, but, um, dude, I treasure it. I love, I love going to Charlotte. You know, I'm not always a fan that it's on father's day weekend. Um, but you know, well, it falls on father's day, but it also falls on my birthday weekend, which means almost every year I got to celebrate my birthday with my comic-con family, which, you know, we've said over the last few episodes, like that became something special to me. So I'm really kind of bummed. I don't get to hang out with everybody. I'm going to live vicariously through your Facebook this weekend. Well, that's the thing too. Like, I mean, the, this is the place where you'll get to see a lot of your comic book family. Um, another positive is this is one of the places that, for me, at least it's a positive. Uh, I usually always get to see some Carolina Panthers. Um, uh, usually, Carolina Panthers uh, will end up coming through the show or former Panthers. Um, and you know, that's for me. That's a cool thing just to be able to, you know see some of my favorite football players walking around my convention center and I'm like, Hey, and it's right. like I, the- I was going to say for, for everyone that doesn't speak sports ball, we're talking about football yes. in the national football league. And it's like, um, my, what the first time it happened for me, it was like maybe four years ago. And D'Angelo Williams, who was a running back for the Carolina Panthers walked by the thing. And I'm like, D'Angelo Williams, sir. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I just started talking to him and he actually got Vincent, who's like my art partner for faith and fandom to like design some stuff for him for a charity he was doing and um, just crazy stuff. But he's like, man, I don't know, understand any of this, but my daughter loves it. And, um, but it's become a thing that um, him and some of the other folks show up just for the cosplay competition on Sunday. So um, it's, it's just a pretty neat experience. So if you actually love comic books, over pop culture, this is the Comic-Con for you. And um, you, you will not get a more comic book-focused experience out there. And um, there are people that come from all over the world just for this show. So I, I think it's a good show for you if you just really love comic books. Yeah, we're sorry we didn't get a bit of a preview to you in advance, but we just definitely wanted to spend a couple minutes talking about a show that Hector and I both have spent the last few years at. Hector, even more so than I have. Um, but definitely just caters well to the comic book community 
And as I personally spend more time on the road this year and in future years with Love Thy Nerd, I hope to expand my knowledge. But so far, at least in terms of East Coast shows, I mean, Heroes in Baltimore are definitely two of the bigger shows that I recommend to folks that if you can get to those areas, these are shows that you want to check out. Because honestly, not all of us are going to make it to a San Diego or to a New York. I mean, cost is definitely an issue with San Diego and New York. I mean, just for tickets to get in, let alone getting there. But shows like Baltimore and Charlotte, you'll pay less than $100 for the entire weekend. And so that that's a big plus in terms of gaining access to just getting to a show. And we definitely want to... Sh- because comics are great and creators are great and it's a really great environment. One one of the my favorite things about Heroes is most of these comic book creators are not charging you for signatures. Um, right. Or, or at most, they'll say, put $5 towards this charity. Um, yes, no. It's a very big show for uh, the Heroes Initiative, which I know I've mentioned before, the medical group that um, pulls money to support creators in need because a lot of folks don't have insurance because they're not actually employees of the comic book publishers. Um, Heroes um, Initiative has a huge um, presence at Heroes Convention. So that's I, I'm all about that. Whenever I see the green and white logo from uh, Heroes Initiative, I'm all about trying to toss a few extra bucks in because it goes to a really good cause. So I think that is going to do it for us today on the Pull List Podcast. We want to thank each and every one of you. Episode 17 is now hopefully in your earbuds for this particular week, but we couldn't possibly, Hector and I, we just could not do this alone. As many of you know, we take this journey of podcast and fandom with two other amazing podcasts here on the Love Thy Nerd podcast network the first being humans of gaming where drew and chris do interviews with game designers producers and creators and gets really to the heart of why they do what they do and it's amazing show recently they just did an interview with chris himself who is you know our um chief um executive nerd if you will one of the founding members of love thy nerd and kind of his background in all this stuff so if you want to learn more about love thy nerd you need to catch the most recent episode of humans of gaming and then we have the free play podcast where bubba matt and kate just cover all the other nerdy stuff in between in a super fun dialogue of things And it's just a lot of fun. Those guys have been doing some amazing work. They keep it light, but they talk about all the other stuff going on in nerddom and fandom in general. And they're just a ton of fun to listen to. There's a lot of other stuff going on at Love Thy Nerd as well. So be sure to check out lovethynerd.com. And as we said, you can search for Love Thy Nerd Community on Facebook and join a bunch of other crazy cool nerds like us talking about all the things that make us nerdy and geeky every single day. So seriously, Hector and I want to thank you for choosing us as your primary source of all things comic booky and generally nerdy on a near weekly basis. So don't leave us hanging. Write and review the show on your podcasting app of choice. We're on the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and I think we're even adding more soon, so that list will be expanding. But if you can't find us, you can let us know at the pull list podcast at lovethynerd.com or look for us at thepolispodcast.com. Seriously, guys, we're back. We're back in the habit. Tons of cool comic book stuff going on as we're right here in the heart of convention season. But remember, kids, read more comics. You've been listening to The Polis Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mirai, part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. 
Be sure to rate and review the show and share on all the social media. The game of risk. The master of epic duels.